And welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brewer Show, bringing you the world's latest news and health research. And we're here today with you for the first time this week live, except for Monday. I came in Monday for a little bit and did live, and we played three sets of tapes. And there was a reason I did that. Uh, on Tuesday's show, I want to cover the blood of Christ with you guys for all the new listeners. It was a show that I had done about four years ago, and we had an overwhelming response to that show. In fact, the show was hit so many times on the downloads that the link actually failed. And so we resent that out yesterday, again, to all of the listeners on our database that we have at Health Masters, so you guys could hear it with a link that actually works. Sorry about that, but we never expected to be deluged like that. We probably had millions of hits as far as trying to download it. It was that big of a show, and you guys loved it. And on Tuesday, I talked a lot about fractal timelines. I talked a lot about the universe and how it's put together and how we become one with God. And uh, that, that was on Wednesday, and you guys were all excited about that. And then Thursday, we played another show that we had done about how the ADL got started, about how Zionism got started back in 1820 and 1840. And I wanted to cover that because I had not played that show either in about three and a half, four years. And so I want to make sure that you guys knew the entire timeline of what happened with the Third Temple and why it's going to be rebuilt. Now, a lot of people you know, believe that just maybe the temple is not actually going to be physically rebuilt. I believe the temple is going to be physically rebuilt. Some, believe, some people believe it's just the reformation of Israel and the reformation of the Jewish people in Israel. Other people believe it has to be the physical temple. The book of Thessalonians tells us that the Antichrist is going to walk out of the temple step and declare himself God. And that would be kind of difficult to do if there wasn't a temple. <laughs> I've got to go along with it getting rebuilt. And that's been the goal of the Zionist for a long, long time so they can bring in the Antichrist and take him into the Holy of Holies and shed his blood with the spear of destiny and bring him in out and declare himself God, declare him God. Now, I want to cover all of that stuff this week with you guys because at this point now, it's like a primer for the week. That's where we're going to go today with today's show. And today we had so much new stories and so many new outlets coming out as far as things that are happening all over the country that I knew I had to go live with you guys. And I'm really excited about being here this morning. And I, I want to just sheer start off with, you know, Austin and I have told you multiple times that the FBI has got some good people in it, but at the core, at the highest levels, and there's a, a lot of the people there are rotten to the core. You know, we see that over and over and over again with them working with the CIA. If you, you watch several movies, they've been on TV, they, they talked about that stuff. You know, like so Sicario, they were talking about that in that one movie. Uh, and all these different things, you know, are happening around us. But the, the Republicans now have dropped a thousand page report. That this is the Republican Party now saying the FBI is rotted at its core. It's manipulated domestic violence, extremism statistics for political purposes, and has deliberately downplayed serious allegations of the wrongdoing from Hunter Biden. Pretty strong report. It said the FBI has rotted at its core and manipulated everything. Republican members of the committee also said whistleblowers have come forward with allegations of rampant corruption, manipulation, and abuse. The report was created without the help the Democratic majority, and was released four days before the midterm elections. Now, let me stop you for one second and say something. They're using this as partisan politics to try to say that the Republican Party has done nothing wrong, the Democratic Party is the way that it's supposed to be, and that the reason that the FBI is corrupted at the core is because of the Democratic Party. That's a lie. That's a complete and total lie. Look at the FBI involvement in January 6th and what happened with the Trump supporters who came up there to contest the stolen election. All of this stuff we've got to look at from a nonpartisan standpoint. With J. Edgar Hoover, that cross-dressing weirdo pervert, he basically had all of these files and all of these members of Congress and all, so many other people and government dignitaries and people from around the world in order to keep them in the place they're supposed to be in case he needed to blackmail them. And that's been going on now for close to 100 years. And so we need to understand how this position of power that the FBI has – is basically completely and totally compromised at the highest levels. It goes way beyond partisan politics. And so we have to say, well, what in the world are they doing this for? Well, it's because they're part of the problem. 
you know, this is part of the deep state, the, the deep state, the parts of the government that aren't elected. They're basically put together, you know, through manipulation and, and machinations, and, and, and they, they, they run everything from a covert standpoint. Uh, you know, Elon Musk, this is just absolutely just perfect because, I mean, I mean, I told you before I didn't trust him. He goes to strip clubs in Germany and has a bunch of whores and all the other stuff that he does, and he's now going to crack down on hate speech, you know, with Twitter. Now, now listen to this. Now, friends, this is just this is absolutely amazing to me. Elon Musk to crack down on hate speech. Well, we told he told us that he was going to open up Twitter and, and let anybody who was wanting to say anything say anything. But he said he's going to get help from the Anti Defamation League and other content moderators. Well, wait a minute, isn't this the guy who said he was going to have people have freedom back on Twitter and say what they wanted to say, express their First Amendment rights, and now he's going to hire the Anti Defamation League to do that? Elon Musk purchased Twitter and immediately fired top executives. He calls himself a free speech absolutionist, but under pressure from leftist groups, including the Anti-Defamation League, Color of Change, Free Press, the Asian American Foundation, the NAACP, and the George W. Bush Presidential Center. As, remember George W., he was the dumb one. He was the one that was, you're either for the terrorists or you're for us. Remember that, that one, right? He has vowed to crack down on the so-called hate speech. This coalition of, quote, civil society leaders will be given tools to ban users and delete content that they deem to be hateful. The coalition requested Musk to continue the policy of prohibiting so-called election lies and denial even after Election Day. Individuals such as Alex Jones and Donald Trump, who are deplatformed for violating Twitter rules, will not be allowed back until the coalition reviews their cases. Now, wait a minute. Let's stop for one second. So the coalition of ADL, which was started – with the Benadi birth uh, hundred years ago, the Masonic Lodge of the Jewish party of the basically uh, the Zionists. <laughs> They've got to come in now and make sure that everything that's going to be said about anyone on the planet has to be pre-approved and reviewed by them, or they're not going to be allowed to come back on. So I guess that means Kanye West is not going to be allowed to be back on Twitter. If I, or if I come in and I post something about the third temple being, you know, basically rebuilt, I guess I won't be allowed to come back on. Or if I talk about how the ADL has over 40,000, volunteers and employees in the united states and it's like a quarter it's like another branch of government is so powerful uh, you know like it's kind of like it ties right together with american israeli political american israeli apac political action committee all these groups of people are together working to take away our liberties and take away the freedoms that god gave us and our first amendment rights granted to us by the constitution and we need to realize that <laughs> let me read you a little bit more of this article elon musk has vowed to crack down more harshly than his predecessors. So in other words, it's going to be tweeted and tweeted. It's going to be censored more than it has ever been on so-called hate speech and will operate a zero-tolerance policy on content deemed offensive by a select group of moderators. On Tuesday, Musk revealed that a small group of far-left civil society leaders, including the ADL, will be given the tools to ban users and to delete content that they deem to be hateful. Musk also peddled on his promise to unban controversial users, users such as Donald Trump and Milo Yiannopoulos, and said that no longer believes that individuals who are deplatformed for violating Twitter rules should be allowed back until the ADL has reviewed their case. One of Musk's senior employees tasked with overseeing moderation on Twitter, Yoel Roth, uh, has a history of calling Republicans Nazis and posting anti-Trump content on platforms. I mean, we thought this was going to be different. No, it's not. Elon Musk is another cutout for the Rothschild banking cartel who controls the ADL and who controls APAC. This group of people, these Sabbatean, Kabbalist, Luciferian, synagogue of Satan groups, 
they're running the entire show, and they started pushing it really hard, as we've talked about so many times, through the Frankfurt School. When the Frankfurt now, so funny, a man cow fussed at me. And he goes, you know, people don't know what the Frankfurt School is. You know, when you talk to them about it, it's, it's just too, it's too complicated, and and they really can't understand it. And I said, I told him, I said, but you don't understand. We discuss this stuff all the time. We discuss it on a regular basis. And I've got really, really, really smart listeners. And I'm not saying that all man cow's listeners aren't smart. Well, I guess I am going to say that all the man cow listeners aren't that smart on a show in Chicago. But you guys are pretty bright. And that's why I did a three-day primer with you guys as far as teaching you what was going on and who these people were and what they are and, and what the blood of Jesus really means and how we need to continue to do what we need to do to bring honor and glory to God in all that we do think and say. Because remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like God the Father. And that you know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I had a, a fellow yesterday, he contacted me, and he got put in the hospital. And, and uh, you know he basically uh, went blind in you know, one of his eyes and was having all kinds of health problems. And he kept saying over and over again, Today is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice, and I'll be glad in it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And he said that it was an actual you know, relief to him to quote scripture the whole time he was in the hospital. Then his sight started coming back, and he started to completely recover. And, you know, guys, if you tell me stuff like that when you send me your emails, it makes me feel really good about the show because it makes me understand that what we're doing from a, how should I say, international global standpoint of the show is really making a difference in individual lives. And it means the world to me. So when Mancal tells me that we don't have a listening base that's going to be able to understand what the Frankfurt School is, I tell him I always cover what it is, and I go into detail. And then he said, well, the problem with that is you take too much time, and it's not bits of information. Well, here's the difference in this show versus most shows. And I love Mancal. He's a really good friend. He's a good brother. There's not much I wouldn't do for him. I mean, he actually came down all the way from Chicago uh, for Sharon's celebration of life. And we have to understand something, though. This show is more cerebral than most shows are. We really talk about a lot of in-depth stuff that other people just don't dare to go there because they're misinterpreted. But I don't, I don't care about that because we're going to take our time and we're going to do it right. We're going to go through what happened and how these people are being developed and who they are. We need to realize that the entire Zionist movement – I covered this on yesterday's show – was to push us into World War One to get Palestine back to create the country of Israel over again. And all of this stuff was set up to, re- to, to create the League of Nations. You know, all of it was done through the you know, anti-Jewish defamation league, which started over 100 years ago. And all of these groups of people were pushing and pushing and pushing for the one thing they wanted to the Masonic lodges, and that was to rebuild that third temple, and including putting Brandish on the Supreme Court to get us into World War I, to get the United States backed up against the wall where you know, they basically you know, were not getting into World War I because Woodrow Wilson was pushed so hard not to, even though he was pushing the same person who pushed the Federal Reserve Act. But yet Woodrow Wilson was being blackmailed by Samuel Untermeyer, all, and he was another hardcore Zionist. We need to understand who they are and what they did. And again, don't confuse Zionism don't, because you don't have to be Jewish to be Zionist. You don't have to be that. Don't confuse Zionism you know, with the Jews who aren't involved in it. There's all kinds of Jews in Israel who want nothing to do with Zionism. So there's all kinds of Jews in Israel who are not part of the synagogue of Satan. But the synagogue of Satan are those who claim to be Jews, but they're not, but they're committed to Lucifer. Jesus called them out of the book of John, and we need to understand who they are and what they are and what they believe. And just, their, their whole goal is to bring in a one-world government under Lucifer. And they started all of this with a League of Nations over 100 years ago, which failed because it couldn't be ratified, with the huge sanctions they put on Germany after World War I, which created World War II. You know, all the other things that we talked about on yesterday's show that I'm not going to be redundant and cover all those over again. Very important that you listen to that. But what we need to understand is when that Frankfurt School came into the United States, at first it was started in Russia. It was a communist group think tank 
It started in Russia, and then it came into the. Then it moved to Frankfurt, Germany, to try to force the German people to accept communism. That was the that was the goal. It was a group of Jewish intellectuals that came into Germany, and they wanted to try to force communism on the German people. And the German people wanted no part of it. They wanted absolute none of it because they saw the United States as a city on the hill, and they wanted to be what the United States was, a free republic. And they did not want to be what they wanted them to be as far as a communist country. Well, they did this group think tank in Germany with the Frankfurt School, and in 1933, when Hitler took power, they were scared because Hitler hated communism. And they fled and went to Switzerland, where they left Switzerland, and they immediately took their ideals and their ideologies, and they took them to Columbia University in which they infiltrated then the faculty of Columbia with their political views and their unbelievably hardcore rhetoric as far as communism. And that group of people then branched out, branched out through the Ivy League institutions to begin with and liberalized our university systems, creating the Frankfurt School. And that tied right together with Cloward and Piven. And Cloward and Piven said you could overwhelm a republic by overwhelming its social infrastructure and its welfare systems and cause the republic to collapse. Now, and I've said this before the show. I'm going to say it again. They want to destroy the United States. The greatest country that's ever been in the history of the world, the greatest country, period. And they want to replace it with a communist dictate because they want to have everybody underneath their thumb and control everybody. It's, what it is is, is a pure dictatorship through Lucifer is what they want. And the problem with all that is they're going to destroy the very country that they've taken over with the United States, and it won't be the same country anymore. So they're going to turn our country into the same hellhole they came from, and they think that's okay. And that's why I said this so many times. Why don't we think this is all right, that they're going to come in, destroy us, make us something that we don't want to be, and think it's going to work? You know, when you have all these people in the cart, you know, trying to ride and nobody wants to pull the cart anymore, the government collapses and the economy collapses and everything collapses. I remember years ago, I was on an airplane coming back from Dallas, and I was riding back in coach. I didn't have enough airline points yet. It was just back 30 years ago, and I was, had just done a seminar. I think it was in Dallas. And it was so strange to me. I was sitting in the back you know, by the toilets, which is really the worst place you can get on an airplane. People are constantly walking by you and tripping and falling on you while you're sitting there trying to get into the toilet. And uh, what was interesting is I finally said I had enough. So I moved up to the bulkhead because I wanted to be able to get off the plane quickly because I left my luggage towards the front of the plane. And I sat down beside a lady, and there were three seats there. She was sitting on one side, and I sat down beside her, and, and she basically was just chilling out. And so I asked her what she was doing, and she told me she was coming back from a trip. And then I started talking to her about you know, what she did for a living, and she told me that she did nothing. She had rheumatoid arthritis so badly that she was on full disability, and the government was paying all of her bills. I said, oh, that's interesting, and that, then I didn't know what else to say to her. So I said, well, I can show you how to get rid of rheumatoid arthritis. That's real easy. You stop eating nightshade vegetables and get the sugar out of your diet, and you know, no potatoes or tomatoes or eggplant or bell peppers. And she goes, no, I like all those foods, and I'll keep eating them. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. And I asked her how many kids she had, and she said she had one son, and she goes, but and she goes, and he's gay. And I said, he's gay. I said, okay, that's, that's nice. And he has AIDS. I said, okay, I'm sorry, he has AIDS. And, and I said, does he do anything? Oh, no, no, he's on full disability too. And I looked at her kind of funny, and I said, so you're basically, you know, just uh, you know, real hardcore liberal. And she goes, I am. And I looked at her kind of funny. I didn't really know what to say to her. I thought I'd kind of want to go back and sit by the toilets again. I didn't want to deal with her anymore, but I didn't want to go back to, back to the plane. So she asked me, so what do you do? And she, I said, well, I, I do seminars. I write books. I do you know, TV shows. I'm a retired naturopathic physician. I've had a clinic for years, and, and now I'm doing seminars with you know President Bush and Barbara Bush, and I just spoke in a huge thing at the Reunion Arena here in Texas, and she goes, oh, she goes, well, you need to keep doing what you're doing because you need to support me and my son. And I looked at her kind of funny, and I said, what do you mean support you and your son? She goes, well, you need to make more money so you can give it to us, and we don't want to work, and you do like to work, and you really make a lot of money, and so therefore you're going to have to basically support us. 
And I looked at her kind of funny. I said, well, first of all, I said, I'm riding coach with you. You don't know how much money I'm making. I said, but the reality is I said, why should I work to support your son? Because you guys don't want to work. Because she goes, because that's what you do. And I said, what do you mean that's what I do? She goes, people like you work to support people like us who don't want to work. And I looked at her and I said, that's a pretty weird philosophy. She goes, well, I think they need to tax you at least 90, 95% of your income needs to come back to everybody else. And you need to support us because you know we don't want to work. And I looked at her kind of funny and I said, do you realize how twisted your logic is? I said, why would I work for 5% of my proceeds? If I make $100,000 a year doing seminars and being on the road all year long and I keep $5,000, how am I supposed to pay my bills? <laughs> how am I supposed to feed my family? She goes, well, you'll work it out. People like you always do that because you're supposed to support people like us. And this just turned into circular reasoning with her. And, and I finally I said, well, how about if I just quit and not work? And then we can all sit around in the cart. And you, everybody can just pull everybody else, and nobody gets to work anymore. She goes, no, you won't do that because people like you can't do that. you got to work. And it was the weirdest conversation I've ever had. And I, and I sat there, and I listened to her for, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes before we landed. And I thought to myself, this lady really believes this stuff. She really believes that the most important thing that she can do is to sit around and do nothing so everybody else can support her. That's communism, guys. That's socialism. And that's exactly what happened in the Soviet Union. That's exactly what happened with the USSR. That's what ha- exactly what happened with the communist bloc countries. Everybody got paid the same amount of money no matter how hard you worked. So if you worked 60, 70 hours a week, you got paid 100 bucks. If you worked one hour a week, you got paid 100 bucks. Well, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out very quickly that it's better just to work the one hour a week and do things on the side through a black market and make a little bit of extra money instead of giving your time and labor and profits to somebody else who doesn't want to work. That's the problem, and they're trying to force the United States back into that mindset and that strategy to destroy us. That's why they have so many social welfare systems. That's why there's so many ways you can get free money from the government. That's why there's so many ways you can get all kinds of stuff that you want you know, for free for everything if you'd like. You, know, you get free food, free cheese, free food stamps, free WICA, free everything. You know, Social Security, same thing. You know, we're going to go ahead and give people Social Security now because you know, they're going to have to be supported when they get older. At one time, it was the church and the families of the people – who were at the age of you know, 70, 80, 90, whatever, who couldn't work anymore, who supported those people. So the Bible tells us to do, not the state. So this, we became dependent on the state to provide us Social Security and disability income. And there's so many people out there now that are disabled and are receiving income, and I have really no problem with that whatsoever. But then you have a lot of people, they pretend like they're disabled, and they're really not disabled, and they're getting Social Security income or disabled income. And so the whole thing gets twisted up. And Austin, I've said this so many times, and I'm going to say it again. The Constitution of the United States of America is made for a moral, just group of people that are Christians that are not trying to cheat, rob, kill, and destroy and steal everything. And when you allow the people that are bad to come in and do this, the Constitution can't handle it. It can't. It can't deal with you know being you know you know in court for six years, twenty years. Monsanto was just another was just given another huge settlement for two hundred seventy-five million dollars. You say we're going to appeal. Because of you know because of Teflon, all the other stuff they're producing, and all the other crazy stuff they've done with Monsanto and with with with, with you know with Bayer and with Roundup, and these these cases just stay in court forever, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years until the people that have brought the suits initially either die from some type of disease they receive because of these products or because they just run out of money, and that's manipulation, and they never have their day in court for justice, and everything's just twisted and twisted and twisted. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts wrote a really good article this week, and he kind of says it all this way. I'm going to read you part of this. He says, the United States has undergone a coup, having observed no martial conflict. Uh, You might think I'm gone off my rocker. 
But all, not all coups are physically violent. They can occur because poisonous ideas take hold and subvert the society. We're talking Frankfurt School now. The United States is defined by the Constitution, and when the Constitution is eroded away, as I just said, so is the United States. The Constitution has been eroding away for a long time. The liberals said the Constitution had to be a living document, which means that it's forever changing, which means redefined, which means eroded. The Tenth Amendment was lost to Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to add this, the great tyrant who didn't free the slaves in the north through the Emancipation Proclamation, whose wife was basically a loon. She was basically a witch. She had seances in the White House. George Bush got rid of habeas corpus in the name of national security when he declared that the terrorist threat gave him the power to hold American citizens indefinitely without presentation of evidence to a court, without trial and without conviction. And he did. And Obama won up Bush. He said he could execute American citizens on suspicion alone without due process of law, and he did. And Bush and Obama now are buddies, and they hang out together, and, but they weren't held accountable for the violation of the U.S. Constitution. Today, free speech and association are dead-letter rights. Everyone can now censor our free speech employers, school boards, people claiming that they are offended, social media, print, and TV media. People who say something offensive can be erased and never heard from again. What this means is that whoever controls the right to be offended can cancel the free speech of those who cannot claim to be offended, and without free speech, there is no debate. Just the imposition of approved views. In other words, now we're talking about a dictatorship again. In woke America, this is the situation. You can also tell a coup has occurred when traditional patriots like Make America Great Again Trump supporters and Oath Keepers are demonized by media and government officials as domestic extremists persecuted and imprisoned on false charges, such as the Americans who attended a rally in support of Trump and were turned with Republicans' complicity into insurrectionists who seized or tried to seize control of the government by taking selfies of themselves sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair. I'm going to say this again. <laughs> they were, this is funny, guys. They were turned into insurrectionists because they wouldn't be tried in prison for life because they tried to seize control of the government by taking selfies of themselves sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair. I mean, they weren't coming in there armed. They weren't coming in there with a military force. They weren't coming in shooting people. They took selfies. So when something so juvenile can be designated as insurrection, you know a coup has occurred because they control the media. We talked about this in depth with State Street, Vanguard, and BlackRock. The message is clear. Those supporting the established order against the coup that is being imposed are the enemies of the people. You can also tell a coup has occurred when perversity of all kinds, particularly sexual perversity, is celebrated. And normality, normal heterosexual sex is defined as fascism or some type of phobia or another word for abuse. When the moral high ground is led by the LGBT people who cannot reproduce and nature's norm of heterosexual is, is regarded as an unjustified definition of normality, the natural order has been overthrown. In other words, they try to turn into Adam and Steve instead of Adam and Eve. But Adam and Steve can't reproduce and they can't have any more kids and they self-extinguish after one generation. It's perversion. That's why God said don't do it. And Paul Craig Roberts goes on to say that's where we are today. Soon pedophilia will be declared normal and there will be brothels where formerly depraved people who are mentally ill or it's now been normalized, can have sex with small children. Say it's not going to happen? Okay. It's already happening in some of the countries over in Europe and all the weirdos over there, and other countries in the world, the slavery that happens in the Middle East. Impossible, you say, but not for once. Perversity is legitimized. Because once perversity is legitimized, all others follow. As we've experienced, it's just a matter of time. Once the rot starts, it doesn't stop until the job is finished. We already have one foot in Sodom and Gomorrah, and the other foot is drawing nearer. Guys, listen to me. When people like Paul Craig Roberts, one of the top people from the Reagan government, comes in and says that we're in Sodom and Gomorrah and the whole country is starting to become so perverse that it's falling apart at the core, somebody needs to pay attention and listen. And that's where we are. 
and I've talked about this in depth. I talked about it in depth on Monday on the show when I talked about the scripture. There has to be a moral standing because without a moral standing, there is no there is no word of God. And without the word of God, then the whole country just degrades and falls apart. And we've got to understand who we are and what we are in the great scheme of things and who we are as far as people of the most high God. You say, well, well, a lot of people aren't Christians in the United States anymore. That's correct. They're not. And they believe that everything's okay and it's a feel-good attitude. Just do what you want to do whenever you want to do it. It's all right. That's not okay. It's got to be based upon what the Bible says and what the Word of God says. And we've talked about that so many times on the show. We together, we the people of the United States of America, what is left of us, the remnants that's left, we've got to stand our ground. We've got to put on the full armor of God, and we've got to say no to no and to no. And how about no again to all of this stuff? Because if we don't do that, what's going to happen is it's going to cause a lot of problems for what's left of us here in the United States. Look at the COVID. Look at the shots now. Look at all the folks out there that are so frustrated because they took the shot and they're having all kinds of health issues. Look at Deion Sanders. He had a complete shower of blood clots going to his legs and it, you know, and, and it ended up having to have his toes amputated, part of his toes. He almost lost his whole leg. You say, well, it can't be because of the shot. Sure it is. Sure it is. It's a clot shot. The spike proteins cause massive clotting in the extremities because they cause my massive eddies to occur because of the shots that are being put together and, and, and massive coagulation of the blood and the fibrous tissue and they cause all kinds of problems with strokes and heart attacks and yet we the people of the united states say we know it's wrong the people have been injected 90 percent of them that believe it's wrong the other nine the other 10 percent go well i'll keep taking all the shots because they're so blinded by the by the lies of the media they continue to do whatever they're told to do like a bunch of sheeple but we've got to stand our ground and not allow any of this stuff to happen and realize that we can do all things through christ who strengthens us this is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice, and we will we'll be glad in it. But, guys, it doesn't mean that we're going to do all this stuff you know, in a vacuum. We've got to go out and tell the people the truth and tell them what's going on and continue to make people realize that you know, if we go in and we do not tell everybody that we know about how bad this shot is, that pretty soon the entire population is going to self-extinguish. We already know that these clot shops get into the ovaries to prevent proper – ovarian function. We already know that these clot shots get into the testicles and prevent proper testicular function. We already know that these shots are going to probably slow down or even prevent puberty from taking place, and we'll have a bunch of hermaphrodites running around, which is exactly what they want. And all of these things are happening right in front of our eyes as we sit there and go, wow, we can't be really involved in any of this stuff because you know of the Johnson Amendment, and we can't talk about it in the churches, and we can't talk about any of it because it's not politically correct. Guys, Time for being politically correct is way, 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 way over. If we think that we're going to sit around and basically be politically correct and the United States is going to get better, uh, it's not going to happen. And what they want to do is continue to play partisan politics with us. Remember I read you this stuff from Otto Kahn and, you know, and all the people from the Federal Reserve Bank from 100 years ago had the second largest home in America other than the Biltmore State. And he said that we control both sides of the narrative. We can control the Republican Party. We control the Democratic Party. We hold the earth by its axis, and we turn it any which way we want in order to get our desired outcome. I read you the entire article that was quoting him a few weeks ago, and I posted it on our website. That's who runs the planet, the Sabbatine Kabbalist Luciferian Synagogue of Satan. And how in the world can people just completely ignore this on other talk shows? And they're, well, we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to do it. And now here's another one. Biden is a tyrant. Furious Republicans say president's patronizing speech saying that democracy is not the rule of monarchs and the midterms in a battle with the MAGA dark forces won't divide Americans and distract from his dire record. 
This is crazy what he did on Wednesday night. It's just another bid to divide and distract Americans and take their eyes off the, of the prize of bringing our country back to the constitutional republic that it's supposed to be. He's a tyrant, Republican Congressman Andy Biggs tweeted after remarks at the Union Station in D.C. Biden said democracy means the rule of the people, not the rule of monarchs or the moneyed. He said next Tuesday's vote is the decision on the republic where reality is accepted or dark forces. Kevin McCarthy said speech was proof that he can't talk about his policies that have driven up the cost of living. Senator Tom Cotton said that Biden thinks democracy can happen when Democrats have complete power. No, it's when the communists completely take over. And what makes me really angry with this, and I told you this on Monday, they call this Nazism. They do. They call it fascism. No, it's not. It's communism. It's communism combined with fascism to create their new world order with Klaus Schwab. You know nothing by 2030. That, that whack bag again. Another Sabbatan Kabbalist, Luciferian Frankist. And when we understand who these guys are and what they believe, you start to realize that because they control the money supply, they control everything. Look what's happened to the real estate market. Look at the complete and total collapse that's occurring before our very eyes. The Fed raised the interest rates another three quarters of a point this week. That means housing market is going to go eight, nine, ten percent now as far as housing rates. Look at the look at the car market, how it's collapsing around us because the cars can't be basically sold now because people can't afford to make the payments because the interest rates are so high. And the people that have cars don't really have any equity in those cars, the car values are going to continue to drop more and more and more, which is going to cause them to be way upside down in their cars with these huge payments. So now they're going to have to come in and sell the cars or retrade them in on another car and fold all of that loss, all of that upside down stuff they have in that car. They may owe another ten, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars on that car. This is why Austin and I warned you guys for the last year and a half when this used car market got so heated up and they were charging ten, twenty, and thirty thousand dollar addendums on new car prices. We have a Honda Accord here. You know, it's it's twenty five, thirty thousand dollars, but we're going to throw another ten thousand dollar addendum on it to increase the profits for the dealership because we want to. Well, you bring the car back in two years later, and you go, "I like to trade it in." Well, now they tell you it's worth thirty thousand dollars less than you owe on it. Well, now you've got a problem, don't you? Because now you got to try to roll all that upside down money into another loan. And so the loan payments don't go down. It gets worse and worse and worse. And I see that happen all the time. That's why we warn everybody not put not to pay addendums for cars. If you have to drive a car for another year, as long as it's still functional and works well, it's okay. Don't believe the lie that you have to buy things with money you don't have to impress people that you don't know because they're telling you that's what you're supposed to do. Don't do stuff like that. It's very, very important that we allow ourselves to get ourselves out of debt. Here's this article I was talking about, Bayer. Bayer was ordered to pay $275 million for brain damage caused by Monto's PCBs. But the chemical giant, again, vows to appeal. A Washington court said last month they awaited 13 adults and children who were awarded $275 million for neurological damage caused by polychlorinated biphenols, or PCBs, produced by Monsanto before the company was acquired by Bayer. Bayer said it will challenge the verdict. Wow, guys. <laughs> Before Monsanto voluntarily stopped using them in 1977, there were an estimated 1.5 billion pounds of PCBs poured and used. Exposure has also been linked to diabetes, liver toxicity, cancer, and deficits in neurological and immune system function. The herbicide Roundup is Monsanto's flagship product and the active ingredient, which is glyphosate. The industrial chemical changes the soil microbium by killing beneficial bacteria and promoting soil pathogens. The altered soil microbium negatively affects the nutrient value of crops. And glyphosate in plants can alter the human gut microbiome and increase in use and are well correlated with increase in breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, kidney cancer, thyroid cancer, liver cancer, bladder cancer, and leukemia. Monsanto, now owned by Bayer, 
who, by the way, is owned by State Street, Vanguard, and BlackRock, just look it up, is best known for his flagship product, Roundup, and the active ingredient, which is glyphosate. Monsanto Bear has been defendant in thousands of cases alleging Roundup caused the plaintiff's cancer. You know what's so funny? You come to my house here in Florida, and we've got pavers, which are really a high-maintenance product, and we basically have a guy every so often who comes out and spreads salt on weeds. People come here, and they go, Blue Sox has been snowing. <laughs> You've got ice everywhere. I mean, what, what, what is this stuff? And I say, it's salt. We won't use Roundup. Why won't I put Roundup in? For what I just told you, there's over 20 different types of cancers that have been linked now to Monsanto's Bears Roundup. Why in the world do I want to spray my pavers with Roundup and have my next, next door? We have Austin lives next door with my grandchildren and have my grandchildren come running over here barefoot stepping in this mess. Why would I allow them to do that? You know, the skin is a semi-permeable membrane. Okay, let me explain to you. Like, let me let's, let's do it this way. Take a clove of garlic, just clove of garlic, fresh garlic, and cut the clove in half. Take that clove and rub it on the bottom of your foot. Just sit. Do what you want to do. 20, 30 minutes later, you're going to taste that garlic in your mouth. That's what's called a semi-permeable membrane. It absorbs through the skin, gets into the bloodstream, and gets to your taste buds. That's why you don't want to walk around on grass that's been sprayed with poison or has been sprayed with Roundup. That's why these people that do these yard services, they spray all this poison on your yard. They put signs up and say, do not step or walk on the grass, et cetera, et cetera, for you know, 48, 50 hours, whatever it takes for this stuff to get washed back into the aquifer by your sprinklers. You know, we had a perfect yard here when I moved here. We've been living here for a long time, and every year I'd come in, this is 30 years ago, and I'd take out a big chunk of grass, and I would go ahead and just take the grass and just uh, – you know, and take out bad sections of it and replace it. And I kept it sprayed with Roundup and Azulox and Basigran and all these different chemicals all the time. And finally, I realized that the weeds won. It didn't matter what I did, the weeds came back. And if I kept spraying these poisons into the grass, which a lot of people still do, they all end up in the aquifer. They all end up in the freshwater lakes and streams and, and all the other places where the water goes and settles back down through the ground. And I've got a well. And so eventually they end up back into the well water, into the aquifer. And all of these things people don't think about. So I quit using this stuff. And, to, and, to, and to, they just aggravate because I still have neighbors that I really like. They're good people. They just love spray services coming to their, their yards to, to keep their yards absolutely perfect. And I've explained all of this to them, but they don't seem to care. Then I've got another group of people because I, I live on a lake here, which so many people do in central Florida. And we have the cleanest lake in the area. And we still have some water hyacinths that are a nuisance, but they're really not that big of a deal. They can be manually taken out. They get reproducing. So they got together, and they decided to spray the water hyacinths with glyphosate and kill them and poison the water. And then all of a sudden, all that glyphosate came in. We had mollusks, you know, little freshwater clams all over the lake, and they kept this water super pristine and clear. I mean, it looked like the glass of drinking water. You, you could, the water here 10 years ago was so pure in my lake that you could take a glass of distilled water and a glass of the lake water and hold it up into the sun on a, a clear glass, and you could not tell which was drinking water and which was lake water. It was that pure. Well, they decided to spray it all with Roundup, the whole lake now, you know, get rid of the water hyacinths. And now the water's dirty because the clams are dead. There are a few of them left, but nothing like it was. You used to go out to the lake, and there would literally be thousands of clams washed up on the beach, and they'd be crawling, you know, underneath the sand back out into the lake. And you'd see them just, you know, little trails with the clams. That's all gone. You don't see any of that anymore because all the people moved on to the lake, started spraying their yards. And then the lake people who lived on the lake wanted to get rid of the water hyacinths. And I've sent them emails about this. I've sent articles about how it destroyed, you know, mollusks and how it killed mollusks and how bad it was and how it was going to destroy the water purity. Guess what? They didn't listen, didn't care because they wanted to have, you know, no no water hyacinths in the lake. And all we'd do is we have a bunch of these things break loose every once in a while and we'd just 
to haul them up to the shore. We'd have them hauled off to the dump. There's no big deal. We'd have to poison the entire lake to get rid of this. And it's sad because I've watched the water quality go from absolutely pristine when I moved here 30 years ago to where it is now. And, and there's nothing at this point that I can do about it any longer unless we all stop spraying it together and realize it will restore itself. But we can't allow it to continue to be like that and keep putting poison into it. That's why I don't spray Roundup around the house anymore. That's why I use salt. Okay, Let's talk about Paul Pelosi again. Oh, this is crazy. The mystery of Paul Pelosi's hammer attack. And deepens his new police account reveals that now he calmly opened the door to cops after phoning 911, and he did not reveal he was in trouble, and then he walked back towards the intruder who then bludgeoned him. What? Yeah, this is a bunch of weirdo perverted stuff with hammers. You know, I talked about this on Monday. Uh, you know, these people are so sick, and now they're saying this weirdo that he brought home apparently from a gay bar that he picked up and brought home with him who he knew uh, was a Republican plant, a MAGA plant. That wanted to come in and, and kill and you know get rid of Nancy Pelosi and knock out her kneecaps. Okay, let me let me say let me say something. Republicans who are true hardcore conservatives, kind of like me, okay, people that really you know love God and love Jesus, uh, we don't go to gay bars to pick up people to hit their wives' kneecaps. We don't do stuff like that. And so Biden's using this as, again, partisan politics, saying that this is something that these MAGA Republicans are doing, and this is how out of control they are. The whole thing is so weird and so twisted and so perverted, it doesn't make any sense to me. But we need to realize that this is just the group that runs the planet. And Elon Musk, remember his Halloween outfit? He's running around doing a double bicep shot. Uh, with his Halloween. Uh, by the way, he's a high-level Masonic guy, by the way. I just thought I'd mention that. And uh, a total pervert. And, and what, what's so funny about him is he's got this outfit on that has an inverted cross on it, which is pure Satanism. I mean, why would anybody listen to this guy and think that he's somebody that we need to follow? It, it, it's it's, it's mind-boggling to me that this is where we find ourselves in the United States, you know, with, with people that like to have hammer parties and uh, – I have a friend of mine, and her name's Teresa. She's one of our listeners, and she says, well, they were probably using the cameras for other than hitting things. I'm not going to mention any of that. That's going to get too weird. But the reality is, is this. Why do we think that these people should control what we do and what we believe as far as our value systems? And now he, and something else is happening, too, with this Nordstrom pipeline. You know, this thing got blown up a few weeks ago, and, and people were saying, well, what happened? What happened? It was a sabotage or no, it was an accident. No. Uh, this is an article from uh, Jagger Griffin, and it says the powerful mainstream media politicians have blamed Russia for blowing up the Nord Stream pipelines, which is stupid because it's their own pipeline, while at the same time admitting that there is zero evidence pointing to Russia as the culprit. And Russia does not have a motive to damage its own pipeline from which it benefits. Top American politicians and officials from both parties have been filmed threatening the pipelines and stating that they will not be operational. Jeffrey Sachs, an economics professor, said, I would bet the explosion was a U.S. action perhaps U.S. and Poland. Then he cited radar evidence that U.S. military helicopters were circling over the explosion area and Biden's threats against the pipes. Sachs further stated that we are not allowed to say things in the West that are counter to mainstream narratives, and then the interview was cut off. Whoa. This Columbia University professor has accused the U.S. of sabotaging the Nord Stream pipeline in the Baltic Sea, prompting television hosts to pull the plug on his TV interview. Speaking with Bloomberg, the liberal newspaper rag, Professor Jeffrey Sachs floated the idea that the pipeline, which has been at the center of the global whodunit saga in weeks, was struck by the U.S. and not Vladimir Putin's forces as a means of doing damage to Russia beyond economic sanctions. The Nord Stream Pipeline delivers natural gas directly from Russia to Germany. 
and it's essential for keeping the lights on across swaths of Europe. The source of the explosions has remained a mystery. However, with both Moscow and Washington denying responsibility, Western analysis have also so far mostly pointed the finger at Russia as being responsible for the sabotage. Sachs, a world-renowned economist and director of the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University, was criticized for echoing the claim made by Russian authorities, and his interview was abruptly ended. A lot of the world is watching these events in horror, Sachs says. The views that this horrible clash between Russia and the U.S., and they don't see this, and we do in the media, is an unprovoked attack by Russia on Ukraine. Quote, most of the world doesn't see it that way. We described it. Most of the world is just terrified right now, frankly. Quote, unquote, I would bet the explosion was a U.S. action, perhaps U.S. and Poland, he said. Bloomberg host Tom Keene quickly interjected, saying this, asking Sachs to produce evidence for these claims. Jeff's quote said, we have to, we've got to stop here. He said, why do you feel the U.S. action? What evidence do you have of that? Sachs says that radar is detecting U.S. helicopters in the areas, coupled with key statements made by White House regarding Russia's stranglehold in the energy supplies of Europe, led him to make the conclusion. Well, first, there's direct radar evidence that the U.S. military helicopters that are normally based in Gansk were circling over the area, Sachs said. Radar evidence. We also have the threat from President Biden earlier this year that one way or another we're going to end the North Stream. We also had a remarkable statement from Secretary of State Anthony Bilkin last Friday in a press conference that he said this is also a tremendous opportunity. That's a strange way to talk if you're worried about piracy on international infrastructure of vital significance. It's an opportunity. Speaking in February, weeks before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Biden promised the U.S. would bring an end to Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline if Russia crossed the border. If Russia invades, that means tanks or troops crossing the border of Ukraine, then there will be no longer Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it, Biden said at the time. Sachs acknowledged his take, runs counter to the narrative in the U.S., and accused his nation's media of neglecting the issue. Quote, I know it runs counter to our narrative. You're not allowed to say these things in the West. But the fact of the matter is all over the world, when I talk to people, they think the United States took out the Nord Stream pipeline. Even our reporters and our papers that are involved tell me, of course, the U.S. did it, but it doesn't show up in our media. Why is that? Because the U.S., again, is run by State Street, Vanguard, and BlackRock, the bloodline families. And you can go – to Gazilla, you know, dot, dot com or whatever the company is as far as Stockzilla. And you can ask who owns this company, who owns that company. I had a, a, a banker friend of mine come by the other day and he was talking to me and bless his heart. He was so ignorant about banking. He had no idea what banking meant or what it means or what even fiat currency is. And I, and I said to him, I said, well, who owns Truist, which is the bank that, that we use? And he goes, well, I don't know. I said, I can tell you right now, I said, he's going to be State Street, Vanguard, or BlackRock. And he goes, well, I don't know that. I said, guarantee it is. And I had not looked it up before we got here. So I went to Stockzilla, and I pulled it up. And I've been sure enough, it was true. It's State Street, Vanguard, Vanguard, Vanguard. And he goes, wow, I, just, I didn't know that. You told me that in advance. I said, yeah. So pick another one. He goes, well, how about General Motors? Same thing. State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock, circular ownership, owned General Motors. He goes, well, he's, well how about General Electric? Did it. Same thing. Over and over and over again. It's the same group of people. This is the same group that took down Building 7. It's the same group that sent, to me, looks like an airplane into the side of the Pentagon. It's the same group that took down the big Trade Towers. same group that took down the Solomon Building. It's the same group. It's always the same people. And once we understand that it's the same people controlling everything because they control the distribution of wealth, and without money, you can't do anything. You've got to have cash flow. You have to be able to pay your bills. You've got to be able to pay your utility bills. You have to be able to do all of this stuff. And now some of the major credit card companies are now like, like Experian and credit reporting agencies. They're coming in now. They want to check your social credit score and what you've been looking at on media before they determine what your beacon score is going to be. And you stop back and you go, wow, you said this was going to happen. I'm like, yeah, this, that's right. This, this is what they're doing. 
And then Daily Mail puts out another big propaganda piece because they love to do this. And it says, California professor and ex-CIA staffer claims that Christian white men are primed to start a civil war in America because they were once dominant and now are in decline and blames the right for a violent spike in extremism. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Super hardcore liberal, University of California's San Diego professor and former CIA analyst Barbara F. Walter told PBS that white Christian men are geared up to start a war in the United States. Walter said civil wars tend to start by ethnic and religious groups, which were once in power but began to see their position decline. Total lie. Walter is the author of the 2022 book, How Civil War Starts, which argues that the U.S. is becoming increasingly unstable and headed for war. Walter's remarks come just days before the midterm elections, which the left and right alike have been characterizing as a battle over the democracy. They always say that actually over the republic itself. Now, think about it for a second. They're pushing this narrative so hard now. They're saying that white guys are going to start a civil war. OK, let's stop for one second. Let's 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 spin that back on January the 6th, almost two years ago now. We had primarily white men and women march on the Capitol to protest an unethical, actually a cheated and basically wrought with fraud election of the United States. And nobody brought armament. Nobody brought tanks. Nobody brought belt-fed you know, M60s. Nobody brought anything. Had, like, I don't have any reports of any weapons being seized whatsoever somewhere outside of the city in some hotel rooms where people basically left them so they wouldn't get in trouble for bringing a weapon into D.C., but there was no armed insurrection. People didn't march on the Capitol with machine guns and weapons and AR-15s. and They didn't do it. They didn't bring saws with them. They didn't bring any of that stuff. They, they, they basically walked up there and said, we're protesting. And then the Kabbalah's control, Donald Trump, who says that his highest award that he ever received was the, uh, the Tree of Life Award, which is a direct Kabbalist award. Uh, you know, he doesn't pardon anybody. He tells everybody to you know, march to the Capitol, and they did, and then they were, the doors were open for them, and they went inside, and now this has turned into this giant insurrection of white people wanting to overthrow the government of the United States. Here's why the white people don't want to overthrow the government of the United States. Okay? I'm just going to give you the, little, the footnotes here, the cliff notes on that. We don't want to destroy the country. We know that we need to have a replacement of leadership. We know that it's rotten to the core as far as in D.C. because so many people have been compromised through Jeffrey Epstein and other groups from the CIA, the FBI, and MI6, you know, Mossad, we all know that, but we're trying to salvage the republic because we have families, we have children, we have grandchildren who live here, and we don't want to destroy the very country out from underneath our own children and our grandchildren. We don't want to throw, overthrow the United States of America. We just want it fixed. We're tired of what's happened in Washington and the corruption that we see, but we don't have any – we have no interest in starting a war or starting a civil war. These folks want a war. This is exactly what they did in Soviet Union over 100 years ago. They started a war because they wanted to overthrow the Tsar Nicholas and his family, which lasted for over 10 years. And they set up all these groups that were just like Q and coming in and saying the Tsar was still alive. And, and they basically were overthrowing, 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 killing over 50 million. Some people say 100 million people and civilians. Nobody in the United States wants any of that. We just want our country back. We want our, we want our constitution back. We want all this manipulation and all this machination behind the scenes stopped. And we want people to be honest and tell us the truth. That's all we want. We don't want to have a war. Nobody wants that. So when they say that kind of stuff, we, you have to realize that they're doing it because they want the war, because they want their old world order back. They want the ability to go back out and do all the weird stuff that they've done for eons of time openly in the streets and not have anybody saying, hey, this is not okay. And when we understand that and we see that, then we realize what this article is from this leftist out of California. They want to start a war with all the white people. No, it's not. 
The white people don't want a war. They don't. They just want our country back. The leftists want to overthrow the government, which is what they've done now with Cloward and Piven. This is what Klaus Schwab is trying to do with the World Economic Forum. By 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That's what he wants. He wants everybody to be completely and totally broke and destitute. That way, everybody who's hungry and not trying to feed their family will do whatever he tells them to do because he's just another puppet, another puppet for the Sabbatean, Kabbalist, Luciferian, Frankist synagogue of Satan to run the planet. And when you understand this and you start to see who they are and what they do, you begin to realize how extreme they are and how they don't care what they have to do. They don't care how they're supposed to do it. They don't care about anything. All they want to do is have what they want to have, whatever they want to have it, and that's their goal. And once you see that, you cannot see it. And so that's the problem that we have. That's why when Kanye West comes out and says something like he said, you know, on Twitter, suddenly, you know, we're in a situation where, you know, oh my gosh, Kanye West is talking about stuff. We got to get the ADL after him. Suddenly, Elon Musk has to bring the ADL into a leader position on Twitter to make sure that nobody ever says anything bad because all these Nazis are running around saying stuff. They're not Nazis. They're communists. Quote, unquote, they're communists. They're the ones who are doing all of this stuff that are trying to control us. And if we understand that, we see it. This is exactly what happened with Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan did all these speeches for decades in California. A lot of times he talked for General Electric, and he actually talked about communism and the problem with the Red Scare and who the communists were in the United States. And they put him into office you know, after Jimmy Carter about destroyed the country because he was – his heart was completely controlled. And he basically came in in 1980 and said, you know, we're not going to put up with this anymore. So they immediately within you know, 90 days put a bullet in him, tried to kill him. And then they kept him medicated for the next you know, eight years while George Bush, George H., you know, former head of the CIA, uh, ran the country. All of this stuff, they, had, they do this all of the time because they want to be the ones who continue to control everything and to continue to control the narrative. And another perfect example here, Clarence Thomas. You know, For years, he never said anything on the, on the doggone bench, but now he's actually coming out and saying stuff, and I'm kind of liking what he has to say. He goes – with one devastating question, Justice Clarence Thomas exposed a myth that affirmative action could smash groupthink. In truth, our universities are more viciously intolerant than ever, writes Renew Mukherjee. M-U-K-H-E-R-J-E. I guess that would be Mukherjee. Mukherjee is a policy analyst at the Manhattan Institute and basically is an earlier version of the City Journal is what he was covering here. He says some of the America's elite universities claim to know as they defend the use of affirmative action in college admissions, but the dishonesty at the heart of their view is painfully obviously. Painfully obvious. Their pitifully narrow understanding of diversity has damaged America. Quote, I've heard the word diversity quite a few times, and I don't have a clue what it means, Thomas said during oral arguments at the Supreme Court on Monday. Quote, given us a specific definition of diversity, give it to us. He asked Ryan Park, the solicitor representing the University of North Carolina, along with Harvard, and their defense of race-conscious admissions programs. It was a pointed question. Apparently, Park didn't see it coming. Racially, quote, Quote, racially diverse groups of people perform at higher levels, Park responded. The mechanism there, he continued, is that it reduces groupthink and that people have longer and more sustained disagreement that leads to more efficient outcome. Thomas' next cut went deep. Now listen to what he said. I guess I don't put too much stock in that, he replied. I've heard similar arguments in favor of segregation too. Whoa. Thomas is right to be skeptical. He knows firsthand the evils of discrimination based on race, and now he's being asked to endorse them. Just as America has thrown the discredited separate but equal lie underpinning segregation in the garbage, so should we trash the diversity myth. The patronizing justification for race-based diversity admissions is that racial 
Diversity generates diversity of viewpoints, ideologies, and ideas on campus. Apparently, that contributes to a lively change of ideas. Have any of these lawyers been to a college campus lately? They are among the most intolerant places in the country. The truth is that diversity of thought is grotesquely short supply at colleges throughout America, including Harvard, because of what happened with the Frankfurt School and the inversion of the college atmosphere pushing communism. And the overwhelming number of students are terrified of voicing their opinions, especially if they hold conservative views. Every year since 2013, the Harvard Crimson has published survey results profiling the incoming freshman class. These reports show that an overwhelming majority of Harvard's incoming students identify as politically and socially progressive, which means liberals. On the graduating class of 2025, only 1.4% identify as conservative. Wow, think about that. By contrast, 72% of freshmen identify as primarily liberal. Yet this class is the most diverse class in the history of Harvard, according to the university. It's a sick joke. The class is diverse in one very narrow and, frankly, superficial way, skin color. Other survey responses drive the point home. Members of the class of 2025 have reported a candidate in the 2020 presidential election overwhelmingly backed by Joe Biden at 87%. Now, I'm going to stop one second, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this for this is this because this thing hit everybody home because they started this stuff back in the 60s and the 70s. When they started doing this racial quota stuff that they did back in the 60s and 70s, they massively went after white men who were applying to colleges and universities, to law schools and the medical schools in the United States. And you actually had points subtracting. So if you came in and you had a 4.0 GPA and you scored really high on the MCAT or really high on the LSAT and you were a white man, you were put in a lower wrong because you were white. You were discriminated against because of skin color. And guys, that's wrong. And what ended up happening, we had a whole bunch of other people because they were the, quote, right skin color, be accepted. Now, I'm going to say this again, and I've said it on the show many times. What happened with slavery in the United States, and I wasn't any part of that. My family wasn't any part of it. We were all over in Germany. But what happened in the United States was slavery was absolutely an abomination. It was. It was awful. And so to me, we owe the black people a, 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 a benefit for that. So if you have a, a black guy with a 4.0, white guy with a 4.0, and they're both equal on the MCAS or the LSATs, and it's going to be something you've got to make a decision on, I don't have a bit of problem with saying we're going to go with the black person. I have no problem with that. Don't have a problem with that at all. But if you have a black person or Hispanic person or any person, a Chinese person, any other person, and a, and a white person has the 4.0 and they have a 2.6, and you're going to put them in there because of their skin color, that's wrong. Why don't you put them in there because of their academic abilities? Why don't you put them in there because of their work ethic? Why don't you put them in there because they've done really, really well and they're really, really smart? I don't have a big problem with any of that stuff. But being at the other end of that, that's, that's exactly what we call you know, reverse racism. And that's what this left is doing right now in the university system. And Clarence Thomas is saying, hey, it's not promoting diversity. It's promoting racism. It's promoting all these people start hating all the white people. And that's why they're picking on the whites constantly. They're trying to make the white people a lower class of citizens, which is complete and total nonsense. You know, we're all equal in God's eyes. I don't care if you're black or you're white or you're Hispanic or you're Chinese or you're German or Russian or Polish or Spanish or Italian. It makes a difference. We're all the same. We all have a common ancestor, Adam and Eve. And we need to understand that, that we're all equal in God's eyes. There's no such thing as racism that's real. It's stupid. Now, you have different ethnic groups that may have different backgrounds and different ways of being raised, etc., but that doesn't mean they're all going to basically do the same as far as academically. So don't do this, 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 this affirmative action stuff. It needs to go away. The Supreme Court needs to stop it and be done with this nonsense and not make it part of the admissions process in these universities anymore because it's not allowing, quote, quote, conservative white guys 
that'd be me or whatever, to get into a university system and express our ideas freely. They're basically excluded. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? They want to bring in the people that are being put into positions of power because of affirmative action because they're going to continue to vote Democrats. Like I just give you the statistics with Harvard. And that's what's happening in the United States. By the way, I'll be on with uh, Doug Hagman tonight. We're going to cover all kinds of stuff. We're going to go into all kinds of detail on stuff tonight. Uh, you guys need to be staying tuned. And I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you this coupon code right now because we're going to activate it today, Doug5. We don't usually run coupon codes and tell you on our show what they're going to be, but since we haven't been doing Doug very much, and a lot of you guys really like the coupon codes, Doug5 is 5% off everything besides kits and discounted or sale items right now on HealthMasters' website. And, guys, I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart that you continue to support Health Masters, that we continue to do the best we can to support you. I've prayed for you guys this morning. I got up late this morning. I kind of overslept. I hate to admit to that, but I kind of got pressed into getting everything done as quick as I possibly could. But I hope the show went well for you guys. And, and listen to me for a second, guys. Your support of us, and when you get your products and your supplements from us, it means the world to us because it allows us to continue to bring you this broadcast. and It allows us to continue to stay focused on what we do at Health Masters. I love you guys. I really, really, really appreciate you guys. If it wasn't for you, we simply wouldn't be here. And I want to thank you again. A lot of you have been still sending me emails and ask Dr. Ted B at yahoo.com. And uh, thank you for all of the positive emails. You guys are amazing. I'm, I'm caught up on them now. I've answered everybody's email that I'm going to answer. I haven't had to delete any ugly ones in a, little, in a few weeks. So thank you for that. And I, I appreciate the continued support. And uh, you guys are awesome. I hope you have an absolutely blessed weekend. Please tune in to Doug Hagman tonight so you can listen to the show with you know with me and Doug. And, guys, I really, really appreciate you. Thanks again for all that you do. God bless you. We'll talk to you on Monday. Awesome to be back on Monday. We'll be live on Monday. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.